Do you mark the Academy Awards on your calendar each year? Are the Emmys and the Grammys and the Golden Globes must-see TV for you? If so, you are going to love our show today. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of the Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, it's January. In fact, it's almost the end of January, if you can believe that. I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but I'm still writing 2022 on my checks. That's so true. Hopefully, you all have gotten checks. further. If I, if I wrote checks. I know, I know, I know. Checks. I'm old, I'm old, whatever. Anyway, that means we're in this time of long, cold, dark days. Also, award shows, right? <laughs> I mean, they're sort of the, the sole points of light in a bleak entertainment landscape. Well, about a decade and a half ago, we decided we wanted in on the action at Plugged In. So we dreamed up this thing we call the Plugged In Movie Awards. After all, we review movies, but we do it from a totally different perspective from everybody else. And so the list of things that we come up with that we think might be worth your while are pretty different. So each January, we nominate movies in four categories. Best movies for kids, for teens, for adults, and best Christian movie. And we have five entries in each category for a total of 20 films we think might be worth considering for your family. And a bit later in this podcast, we're going to tell you not only how you can read what our picks are, but how you can vote for the one in each category that you think deserves a win. They could be the Academy. Right. They get to be the Academy. Exactly. And after that, Paul, AC, and I will talk about a new addition to the Left Behind movie franchise. Then we'll wrap things up with a rousing round of Name That Movie. So that's where we're headed today. As always, we would encourage you to get involved with the Plugged In Show yourself. Leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll give you more information a little bit later on about how you can vote for your favorite movies for this year's Plugged In Movie Awards. Vote early and often. Vote early and often. So no further ado, let's get started. Joining me today are Paul Acey, Kennedy Unthank, Emily Chow, and Bob Hoos. Greetings, everyone. Greetings. Hello. Hello. Well, as you probably already know, we spend a lot of time at Plugged In working hard to give you everything you and your family need to make the best decisions possible when it comes to entertainment. And you know what? There's a lot of stuff out there that, some of it kind of colors a little bit outside the lines and <laughs> some of it we review and, and we're like, yeah, no, that's just, it's too far out there. It's just out of bounds. And one of the things I love about this job, and it really is a privilege in this job, is to occasionally stumble across things that go the other direction, that are really nice films that don't have disclaimers like, well, it would be a really good movie except for this, 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 and this. And the Plugged In Movie Awards are our annual opportunity to kind of let you know what some of those movies are. Now, frankly, some of those are big movies that you've heard of, but each year, and this year is no exception, we also have some movies that my guess is the vast majority of you listening today have never heard of. And maybe we can give you an opportunity to get something on your radar that was a pleasant surprise for us last year. So here's how we are going to do this today. 
I'm going to let each of our plugged in team members do the honors of listing the nominees in each of our four categories. And next week on our blog, we'll have a corresponding blog entry for each category where you can get a longer summary if you'd like for each of these movies, as well as a link to the original review. Then, all right, are you ready? Are you ready. guys excited? I'm ready. On Tuesday, March 7th at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, we'll be doing something we have never done before. We're going to be doing a live podcast where we will pick the winners in each category and we'll read the winners and we'll tell you what your choice was as well. So mark your calendar for that because, well, I mean, live. Yeah, unpredictable. How yeah. much more fun and unpredictable can it get? I'm sure right. we'll yeah. we'll probably need a, a five second delay for recorded. you know the plug in. <laughs> how many times no, we stumble over our words? <laughs> so, Bob, tell us about our nominees for best movies for kids. For kids. Okay, yep. we've got Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, The Railway Children, which I know at least one of us around this table has seen. <laughs> uh, the bad guys. I thought you were going to say, I know at least one of us was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, that may be the case, too. The bad guys and Disenchanted. Disenchanted. Okay, so those are our five nominees for Best Movies for Kids. Mr. AC, teens. Yes, sir. Teens. What are our five nominees for Best Teen Movie? Let me tell you what they are. I'm asking you to. Please. And, of course, it would be the very first one out of the gate is Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio. Very nicely done. Not the Disney version, not the Disney Plus no. version of Pinocchio, but, no, no. but del Toro's version of Pinocchio. Um, Slumberland, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Till, that's a movie, Till. T-I-L-L. Correct. And Catherine Called Birdie. All right. Emily, what about adults? What are we... Uh recommending for adults this year in the plugged in movie award nominations so for adults we have top gun maverick 13 lives mrs harris goes to paris cyrano and the batman Batman. (laughs) i like it i like the dramatic interpretation of of these movie titles i I, I haven't actually seen the batman and i wasn't sure if he copied the christian bale I'm the Batman or not. So I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> go overboard. Yeah. Right. All right, Kennedy, bring us home with best Christian movies. Yes. So the holiest movies of the year are <laughs> I Heard the Bells, Father Stew, Reborn, Family Camp, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, and Paul's Promise. Not my promise. Which is not actually about you at all. No, it's not about me at all. It's purely coincidental. If there was a movie about me, it would be super boring. Super. I bet it would Paul's be like, I don't know. It would be one of those rodeo, indie man. movies that just never gets out of limited release, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, that was a little bit mean, but uh, <laughs> I apologize, Paul. <laughs> well, before we dive into the specifics of what we've nominated, I thought people might love just sort of a peek behind the curtain on our process for how do we pick these movies? Yeah. What does that look like? Um, because it's uh, well, it's an interesting process. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Well, cudgels and fistfights. Yeah, that's that's we right almost out of the had games. that happen this year. We really we? did. Yeah. Well, we do. And we, it almost happens every year, right? There's it's always true. there is always spirited discussion, shall right. we Which say? Is good. Which is a very Christian way of saying we argue. 
We argue. We pound the table. We, pound we the fight table. for the in movie we want. In brotherhood. <laughs> and we talk a lot. We talk a lot. This meeting where we, we hashed over all of these nominees, uh, culled them from a whole big, much bigger list, took about two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, it was an extensive time together. Which is always a pleasure. Well, and the main reason is because there are pros and cons to each film. Right. You know, I mean, some films are you know completely content free, and they're easier to accept in our list. But but the majority of films, let's face it, the majority of films out there that we see within the course of a year have some sort of content issues that we have to wrestle with a little bit. And I think I think in the context of what we do. We have to wrestle with those things. We can't just, in a sense, when we make our lists of movies, we're in a sense giving it kind of a seal of approval. Now we're not, we're not trying to do that. But but we have to keep that on our our mind because someone might perceive it as saying, okay, when we say uh, Top Gun Maverick, that, that, oh, well, let's get the family and go see this. No. (laughs) But before, before they think about, well, what are the, what are some of the content issues that are in that film? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think I used the word recommended earlier. Um, These aren't even quite recommendations. This is a list of movies that we think for your family might be worth considering, but not considering blindly as, you know, go see them. Yeah, I think the, the content concerns in these movies are navigable, based on the category that they're in. So, you know, um, (laughs) another one that we have on the list, kind of strange, Father Stu Reborn. It's like, is it navigable for Christians when you consider the fact that this movie, when it was originally released, it was just called Father Stu, and it had, what, upwards of 200 F-bombs? When they re-released it, they cut out 200-plus F-words, and, you know, that's completely a faith decision, not just a random... Oh, I wonder, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, Christian filmmakers, they're very careful about making movies that the whole family can enjoy. Unless even, you're Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> even with the cuts that Mark Wahlberg made in this movie, it is a difficult movie to watch. It still has some really difficult content to it. And yet, we really felt as we were sort of discussing this movie that the redemptive messages that that hard-earned faith that hard-earned grace which is kind of a paradox and irony um it really struck us i think and and that's what landed it on the movie i think there are still much better choices in terms of christian movies if you want your whole family to watch Mm. but this was a secular movie that had some very very strong christian messages in it which which was surprising for i think all of us yeah, and I think it's also important to remember that the movies we pick, some of them, they slide in there real easily, where a lot of us around the table are like, oh, yeah, that one's got to be in the top five. Yep. Right. Other ones are debated, much more hotly debated, where we have three Shoehorned, or four that can crowbar that could really get that last spot. <laughs> um, we also have to remember as well that we're not really basing these based off of which one's are getting the awards for the least amount of content concerns in them. But the ones that we think are most worthy of praise in both positive elements and in 
uh, lack of negative elements. Which have the best messages. Yeah, yeah messages, and, right. And we're also looking for aesthetics, too. I mean, we're yeah. looking at good movies, movies that we feel like you can enjoy. Um, again, because you can have a great message in a lousy movie. That's exactly right. So it's we bring together a lot of different things that we consider as we do these movies. And, uh, you know, every year... There's a number of folks who think we might have missed something. We encourage you to let us know what we might have missed. Tell us where we're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Here is your invitation. Honestly, that's one of the beauties of this process, I think. Honestly, the two-and-a-half-hour meeting that we had, this meeting that we have every year is one of my very favorites because of the spirited conversation that we have. And we want you listeners to join in on that conversation. Exactly. And... And I think I'll speak for all of us when I say favorite and meeting don't typically go in the same sentence. Certainly together. not in my life, yeah. Um, well, as you look at the list of movies this year, what stands out to you as trends or connecting points or commonalities between some of the things that, that we've nominated this year? You know, I would say if we were going to look at themes, obviously what we have on this list, there is so much diversity in terms of the stories, the types of stories, even the feeling that these stories leave you with. But if I would make a guess, like if I can pull some themes that that might fit a lot of these movies, one would be family because we're all about family. Um, Two, there's a surprising number of movies here that deal with loss or with Mm. grief. Uh, And I find that that is also very interesting. Oftentimes, these movies go hand in hand. When I'm looking at at, uh, Pinocchio, when I'm looking at Till, when I'm looking at Black Panther, all of those movies in the in just the teens category, they deal with grief, they deal deeply with family. And I find that kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, it's safe to say that some of the nominees on our lists are going to be familiar to everybody. I mean, you probably would need to be living off the grid permanently to not know about Top Gun Maverick. I mean, maybe you haven't seen it, but you at least know, oh, yeah, Tom Cruise is back in a fighter jet again, blowing things up. And everybody loved it because they threw like a billion dollars at it. Uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is another one that, you know, that was a huge movie. But what are some of the films here that maybe are a little bit off the beaten path that perhaps we can say something more about that we're not going to say in our, our summaries on the blog. Paul? Yeah, you know, I would say that one of the movies that I quote-unquote pounded the table for was Marcel the Shell with shoes on. And what's I that about? found that... And how does a shell have shoes? Well, it's a little bit strange. It's about this, <laughs> it's about this shell who has googly eyes he has shoes he lives in this house in california and this guy sort of wanders in and he does this documentary on marcel's life he lives pseudo documentary on this guy's life i think that you know being a shell it probably right 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 but but (laughs) documentary style exactly See, this is how it goes we edit each other right (laughs) go ahead wait till we get to the live podcast that's gonna be great so much fun (laughs) But it's it's really about the shell who lives with his nana, his grandma. Uh, it it is one of the sweetest stories that you will find. Now, like all these nominations, it has some issues with it. You're going to run into a little bit of crass humor, but but it was very very innocent, incredibly well done. I think it has like 98 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and of course, no one 
except for me and maybe three other people. Well, have and seen you it. saw it like three times, right? <laughs> <laughs> just kept going back. It take, was here. Take my money. I got to see Marcel. It was really sweet. You would not think that an animated shell would move you as deeply as it does. But again, even in this kids' environment, we were nominated for best movies for kids. Yeah. It deals with loss, and it is deeply concerned with the issues of family. You know, Marcel tells us that shells are naturally very social creatures and he does not have his extended family. And so the whole story is really a search for him to find shells of his own family. And again, it comes down to good drama because yeah. if you can create an, an interesting conflict, even in a little kid's movie, those kinds of things can, can stir you. In fact, I, in my opinion, so many of the kids' movies that come out are, can be much more moving and much more impactful mm-hmm. than, than the adult movies, you know, in terms of how they, how they get you to think about certain issues and care. And I think that's important. Well, it's a little bit of a cheat, right? I mean, it's a kids' movie, so I think as adults, sometimes we let our guard down. Mm-hmm. And, and you find out, you get in there, and you're like, oh, there's more going on here. I'm crying, yeah. You know, <laughs> and and I, I think that there is something kind of magical about how stories for children maybe touch that part in all of yeah, us right. or, you know, should touch that part if our hearts aren't hard aren't frozen, shut. aren't frozen <laughs> shut. Right. Yeah. Exactly. What I, else I, last I've, year? I've got another one. Uh, Cyrano. Yeah. I, I think uh, I mean, this is a story that probably everybody knows because it's a story of Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, but, you know, it stars Peter Dinklage. And so they twist the idea. The idea of, of uh, Cyrano is that um, the storyline is that here's this man who's in love with someone. He's got great skills, but he's hindered by some physical aspect of who he is. Mm-hmm. And in the, the story that we all know, it's usually the guy's it's got a really nose. large nose. Right. Uh, in this one, it's a man who's very sh- small. He's a small man. But he's still a valiant fighter and and brave and strong. But he loves someone and loves her so well that even though he knows she can't fall in love with him, he will do anything for her to find her happiness and find her fulfillment in love. Not realizing that, that much of what he is are the things that she loves and that she does indeed love him a great deal. Mm. But his own pride sort of stands in the way. You know, and so it's a very interesting and compelling story. And the way they create it, and Peter Dinklage does, um, is just, it's a wonderful tale that you might not expect, that you, especially if you know the story. You, you sort of know where it's going to go, but you might not expect the kind of impact that it could have on you. It's a musical, and the yeah. music is really lovely. And that's this. another a difference, too, because we don't usually think of of the story of Cyrano de Bergerac uh, as a musical. We, it actually was uh, originally uh, a play all done in verse, but now that they've turned it a little bit and made it, just added that extra element, and I think it's very enjoyable. There's one thing about musicals that I think sort of amps up the the emotional quotient, you know, when we're watching. And it goes back to something that you've said at least on one podcast, probably a lot more, is how music can connect with us in a way that... Nothing else really does. Uh, Adam, you've been really tremendous about sort of articulating that. But but that was something that, that I walked away from 
Cyrano thinking about was the music. It just, it's haunting. Um, again, it deals with loss. It has some problems, as m- many of these movies do, uh, but it is a very powerful statement of love and yeah. sacrificial love. Yeah. Well, with that note on musicals, let me actually steer us away because I have a third <laughs> option for us. Okay. Um, and that is Slumberland, which is on our list, which is one that actually really hit me. Um, that movie, it's about this little girl named Nemo who loses her father. Uh, before he died, though, he told her that he was this sort of dream outlaw. He would jump from one person's dream to another, doing all these things that just aren't allowed by the dream police. But he told her of these magical pearls that if you could get your hands on one of them, they would let you do whatever you wanted with them. And then he died. And she's struggling with this sense of loss and the sense of grief. You know, one of the main apparent topics of the movies we've chosen this year. Um, And she thinks, well, if I can just figure out how to become one of these dream outlaws i can find one of these pearls and i can bring him back and i can every single night i go to bed i'll be able to see him again but throughout the movie we we see that she just has to deal with this grief in such a way that you know i didn't think uh, a kids or a teen movie would actually handle it it Hmm. handles it very maturely and it handles this sense of how to let go how to move on even when you are unwilling to even when everything's going to seem super scary even when everything seems completely uh chaotic it just it teaches this idea that no we do have to grow and we have to move on and we have to continue on and that in no way is going to desecrate their memory but it's something that we have to do as people this is one of the fun things about this process for me is Slumberland was totally a surprise. I did not think that that was going to be nominated. But when we bring movies to the table, we talk about them. We we tell people. It, it's almost like a campaign where we're saying, what makes mm. this movie yeah, worthy? You become sort of the advocate for that movie. You really do. And I, I thought that... that and, and, we, and we each know exactly which film should win the category, of course. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Every <laughs> single time. Bob well, and, and, says and Bob, I, I will use your comment as an opportunity to say that next week, we are actually going to talk about some of our disagreements that oh, yeah. we had. Because yeah. this is, uh, uh, it is a conversation fraught with passion. Uh, well, see, and, we, we, all, we all bring our own sensitivities to the table. Yes. And sometimes we can watch the, a film that another person just adores and say yeah but yeah you know so and we'll talk about those that's, next that's a little right. teaser that's a little yeah. teaser <laughs> movies right. that didn't make the list in part <laughs> for that reason anyway back to you paul i thought that the kennedy really described slumberland he sold the movie to us mm-hmm. um and i think that they, thank you <laughs> it, it's a surprising movie it, it stars jason momoa uh-huh. um who is in a very different character than he is in the Aquaman. He's not movies. Aquaman. He's man. not Aquaman. So, well, speaking of surprising, which movies here do you think some folks might find surprising that we nominated and why? And Emily, you already mentioned one with Father Stu Reborn because yeah. the first one was one of those facepalm examples where it's like, oh, this could have been great and too bad about the 200 F words. And like somebody got to Mark Wahlberg and said, maybe tone it down like a lot. But what else might be a surprise yeah. to people? Well, one one would be Till. Yeah. Uh, and it's a film I don't know if a lot of people saw, but it, it because of the subject matter, it deals with a um, black teen who is lynched yeah. in 1955. True story. And, True story. And you think, ooh, uh, 
that's not necessarily something I want to gather the family to see. Right. But but we put it on the list for some very strong. Well, you you mm-hmm. campaigned for that. Yeah. So I won't speak for you. Why did you really believe that that was a a, a film that we needed to have on this list. I really felt like it needed to be on there because it, it deals with some issues that are incredibly important. They're just as current now as they were back in 1955 in a, in a lot of ways. Um, it's a tremendously well-made movie as well. It is It is very well done. Uh, the actors do a tremendous job. It has a faith element that I'm always looking for in movies. You, you can see that the, the grieving mother who lost her son um, is really clinging to her faith in this time of, of trial. The surprise for me was not that we put it on our list of nominees, but that we moved it into teens. I was originally going to, to pound the table for this one as an adult movie, but we kind of were talking, and you, Adam, you sort of led the charge on this. Yeah. This is a movie, it's PG-13, that makes it navigable to deal with some of these really critical issues, maybe with the older children in your family. Yeah. Yeah, I think another movie that might uh, kind of stun people for for the first moment that they hear is The Batman. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that one uh, The too. Batman <laughs> is uh, pretty violent. I think at one point we had described it as the most violent Batman movie to come out so far. Certainly the darkest, totally. Yeah. You know, in- Except except for the turn at the end. One of the reasons, all of those reasons are actually why we put the Batman in the adult category. Normally, the teen category is where superhero Superhero movies movies. land by default because they're PG-13, Typically, the family goes together to see them in the movie theaters. This was an exception for us because of that darkness, because Batman at the very beginning is such a dark character. Not to spoil anything, but at the end, he makes a remarkable turn. And in, oh, in man, a way, no, it. I know, I know what's wrong with me. But in, in the last bit, you see a turn toward a, a much more redemptive Batman, yeah. a much more heroic Batman. And I think that we all appreciated that. Yeah, I, I know I did. And I think that idea of looking for redemptive themes is is maybe the through line with everything on this list and some are more redemptive in obvious ways than others yep. i mean mm-hmm. batman we have a, a nice moment at the end of a pretty dark movie which is another just reminder again these are not uh carte blanche endorsements you want to read our full reviews before you just you know hey let's take the whole family to see batman or you know right. stream it right um exactly. i hope as we have talked about these movies today it's given you a sense for how we think, how we process together. Uh, And these specific ideas are the ones that we've talked about in greater depth. And knowing that we're going to, you know, flesh all of these out in our blog. So go look at our list, read our descriptions, and, and be sure to vote for your favorite as well. Thanks, everyone. Well, in our second segment today, we, uh, we have another iteration, another entry in a long running pseudo franchise and i say pseudo franchise because it's not been one continuous thing it's been well we're talking about left behind there is a new left behind movie and it is called left behind rise of the antichrist is a fathom event uh, which means it's in select theaters for four nights only starting tonight january 26th uh and 
with most fathom things if there's a you know a crazy big turnout sometimes they extend a little longer but if after you hear paul and i talk about this if it sounds like something you want to see i would not waste too yeah, much time don't wait so a couple of weeks paul <laughs> left behind rise of the antichrist does that tell us everything we need to know here or is there more there is a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> so it is technically a direct sequel to the Nicolas Cage 2014 movie called Left Behind. Okay. Mm-hmm. All the roles have changed, but essentially right. the movie takes place. Which is why it doesn't place. really feel like a direct it sequel. It doesn't feel like a direct sequel, right? But I think it really sort of takes place six months after the events of that first movie took place. Obviously, all of the Left Behind movies are based on a series of 16 books by Jerry Jenkins and Tim LaHaye. Yep. Um, which sold something like 80 million copies. 80 million copies. Again, ideas we all could have had sooner. Oh, my right? goodness. I think I read like the first five books, and I never finished it. But now that there's another movie, I'm like, maybe. Maybe I can go back and read well, all 16. <laughs> they, were, they were a huge, huge deal You know, for a good decade, I think. They were yeah. like a yeah. truly bona fide Christian phenomenon on the level of, this is going to be a strange comparison, but VeggieTales, right? right? It was a big deal. Or the Purr of Jabez. <laughs> Chronicles Jerry, of Narnia. <laughs> Jerry Falwell once said, in terms of its impact on Christianity, it's probably greater than any of other book in modern times, speaking of Left Behind, outside the Bible. Wow. Well, and it's hard to argue against that when we're talking about 80 million copies sold. Right. Um, and this story is set after the rapture. Set six months after the rapture. I didn't even answer your question. No, Adam. that's all right. I, I wasn't trying to correct you. I, you were you were enjoying talking. I was, I was just, just going to let you. Yeah. No. It takes so what happens? Paul? 16, <laughs> it takes six months after the rapture. Uh, you have some people who are grieving lost lost loved ones who were raptured up. They're no longer there. Uh, you have people who are starting to wonder why all these people left them. Now the scientists. Uh, the experts say definitely it was not the rapture. Right. But they don't know why. They don't know right. what it was. Uh, so you just know that the experts, quote unquote experts, have debunked the rapture. And so lots of other people are looking for different solutions. Uh, A lot but of it, Marvel fans it, putting in their two cents. I'm <laughs> telling you. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you have Rayford Steele, who is a grieving husband, just lost his wife and son to the rapture, uh, is trying to figure out what it all means. He's starting to look for answers. And he's played by Kevin Sorbo. He's played by Kevin. Who also directed this exactly. one. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, his daughter, Chloe, is still there, also looking for answers, but a little bit more resistant to the idea of faith than even her father is. And then you've got Buck Williams, who, if you remember, the original, original Left Behind movies was played by Kirk Cameron. He is a hotshot reporter who is trying to figure out why all these people were raptured up. He is also not religious, but by golly, he is going to get down (laughs) to the truth. And he's really annoying a lot of people this time around because they don't really want the truth. Yes, yes. He is he is a gadfly, I think would be the correct term for that. He uh, he definitely uh, is going against even the his bosses at this network that he belongs to, uh, saying we need to find out what's happening. And his boss says, no, let it go. 
let it go. Hmm. So that's essentially where we are. Meanwhile, so it's the a Antichrist, musical too. Oh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Anna and Elsa are not in this movie. Just okay. to clarify, no, I'm just thinking about people trying to turn Left Behind into a musical. That is not something that we don't need. This. This is not a suggestion. <laughs> if there are any producers out there listening, this is not a suggestion. Please don't roll with it. <laughs> I'm with Emily on this. So, meanwhile, the forces of evil are sort of setting their steamrollers in motion. You have this big, big tycoon who owns the biggest social media network in the world called Eden. Eden. The all of society is going just crazy, so he volunteers to turn Eden into sort of this monetary banking system where people use Eden, the social network, to buy whatever they need. Mm-hmm. I've heard about that before. Mm, very mm, interesting. Interesting, isn't it? So that's essentially where we are. You don't really know even who the Antichrist is for a good chunk of the movie. That is exactly right. So if you have read the book... I think this is the kind of movie that you're probably going to have more enjoyment of and affinity for if you're a fan of the franchise. It's not to say that you couldn't come in cold from the outside not knowing anything about it. I I think this is a better version than the last couple we have seen. I mean, let's face it. uh, We as Christians are always – caught up in the whole mystery of the end times what will happen what's it going to be like what's going to happen and and so this whole storyline the book franchise and the and the movies they all feed into that so i think there's a lot of people that will find it very interesting Mm -hmm. there's always interest in it right i mean i think even adam and i were talking today about how we read late great planet earth you know way back in the day so you know that there is a lot of interest in these themes i would actually disagree maybe a little bit with you adam you can disagree a lot I mean, you do sometimes. I do sometimes. But because the movie deviates from the book, you're not yeah, going to find a, a great authentic retelling of mm. what of what LaHaye and Jenkins had put down on paper. So that's sort of a caveat. They've also updated the story quite a bit. Obviously, we're talking about social media. We're right. talking about a lot of timely elements within this story to make it feel more current and more relevant. Well, and I'll, I'll go on to say that... Um, there are multiple references to COVID and there's some commentary on governments using disasters as a pretext to seize control, which obviously we've had a a big conversation about that culturally. And as you watch that, that might ring really true with you, or you might say, Oh, you know, they're just, you know, importing in this thing that wasn't in the original. I think you could have a couple different reactions to the inclusion of that content in the film, but it felt in that sense, pretty up-to-date with where we're at right now. Yeah, and and to get back to your other point, I think that this is not a bad version of the story that we've seen so far. I I was really impressed with the humor that you see Uh at times in here. It feels more like an adventure story than some of the previous adaptations that we've seen. Some of the acting was pretty good. Obviously, uh, it doesn't have the budget that a huge um, adventure story like a Mission Impossible would have, so you're definitely not going to find that level Level of production, um, but in terms of, I thought the writing was surprisingly crisp in a lot of places. I, I stayed pretty engaged with it. It actually reminded me quite a bit of the TV show Manifest, mm. which is mm. about a pe- you know people on an airplane who disappear and come back, yep. and they try to solve the mystery. There's that sort of mystery thriller fusion happening here against obviously 
a biblical backdrop. And I should say by way of the plugged in caveats, there are a couple of people who get killed. Uh, there's a high speed chase at one point. There's a young woman who gets uh, mugged. Essentially, it's a guy trying to steal her purse. But I found that scene pretty intense because when he comes at her, you don't know what his intent is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are. I think the content concerns that people should probably be aware of. A little bit of language, a little bit of language. You do see a church that has been horrifically vandalized. Horrifically desecrated. So you're going to have some issues with that. And and I do think this sort of goes without saying, but obviously when you're talking about end times, you're talking about eschatology, there will be people who really buy into this version of what we see on film. And there are people who are going to say, no, that is not what Revelations says. So I think that that's just something you are probably already very mindful of that, know where you come down on those issues, uh, but it's something to be aware of anyway. Yep. And I think that is a good place to stick the landing on this conversation. Thanks, Paul. Well, now it's time for another installment of Name That Movie. A little, I guess I'll call it a game where we take up a movie and we describe it in such a way that it's maybe a little bit cryptic, a little bit clever, and the rest of us have to guess what movie we're talking about. And our very own Bob, who suggested, hey, since we're talking about movies from 2022, why don't we limit our choices to movies, movies from 2022? From 2022. Yeah. So, Bob, yeah, you want to kick us off? Sure. Okay. A guy fights against time, curses the man, and takes his shirt off on the beach. It's <laughs> not the Adam Project. No. Um, takes his shirt off. On the beach. Feels like a really important clue. Oh, you know what? It's got to be Top Gun Maverick. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Of course. Just reciting the line, shirt off on the beach. That's right. That was it. I could have just said that. A guy takes his shirt off on the beach. Oh! Of course! Of course! Emily, you want to go next? All right. A girl uses psychic abilities to get revenge on those who have wronged her. Matilda. Oh, that's Matilda. Wow. The musical. The musical. (laughs) Hey, are we keeping score? I could have said, like, while singing would have been, like, the clue. This is the sheer joy (laughs) No, I want to keep score. All right, well, you can say I'm tied with Kennedy now. Okay. All right. You go next. You're wrong. You're way too competitive. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A grieving dad uses an unusual method to whittle away his sadness. Pinocchio. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to hear my next clue? It's really great. Yeah. You could say that he takes pining for a lost loved one. Very serious. How many more clues do you have? Your (laughs) puns give it away, though. That's the problem. That's right. we're, We're being clever and cryptic and perhaps equal measure. This stop-motion film pulls out all the strings. Oh. I I mean, did you really think we'd get that far? No, that's why (laughs) I had to say all these clues. Okay, I'm It's a splendor movie from a splendor movie. That's good. (laughs) Anyways, I'll go next. It all rings a bit hollow to me, The actors are a little wooden. That's a little wooden. That's a good one, Adam. (laughs) All right. A disgraced astronaut, a scientist, and a conspiracy theorist must band together to defeat Earth's biggest rival, the moon. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I got this one. Moonfall. Yes. Moonfall. Moon that was the 
That was the the worst, the movie juiciest, of terrible movie of 2022. It was wow. so bad. And if you want to know a plot summary, it's the title. <laughs> the moon falls. Biggest adversary. But it moon. only hits some people. I mean, that's where the problems start on yeah. every level. Mostly suspension of disbelief. Yeah. It hits so all for the me, wrong people. Here we go. go okay. I think this one's going to be hard for you. A beloved animated astronaut generates buzz for all the wrong <laughs> reasons. <Light> <laughs> Paul, you're my mentor. You can't sit there and scold me. As soon me. as you said animated hey, astronaut. He gave up like, the point. Yeah, I just want right to put it on the record. All right. That's all right. my Not point. quite so beloved. <laughs> Less so, beloved than he used to be. Yeah. Let me just say I'm glad we weren't keeping score because I lost. Aww. <laughs> right? boy, Paul, you want to keep score when you're winning, but not so much when you're losing. I, I, know, I knew you were I know okay. how to win these. All right. All right. Well... That brings us to the conclusion of another round of Name That Movie. And uh, we'll play again next week, Paul. So better luck then, I guess. I'm going to win. You might. You might. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us at the Plugged In Show today. If you've enjoyed the show, let us know by leaving a review and tell your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to get information about our show out there. And you can also leave us a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Now, we always want to hear from you. That is especially true this week and over the next couple of weeks as we publish our nominations on the blog and invite your feedback. So as we've said, go to pluggedin.com slash blog and starting on Monday, January 30th and for the next four days, you'll see a blog for each category. Mm -hmm. Leave a comment. Tell us what your vote is. Or if you hate leaving comments on blogs because, you know, some people I suppose do, you can... Leave us a note on Facebook or Instagram, or just go totally old-fashioned and send us one at team at thepluggedinshow.com. They can't join the fist fights, but they can join the discussion. <laughs> that's right. But the good news is you won't have to go to the hospital afterwards. That's right. So, Well, thanks again for spending some time with us today at The Plugged In Show. We know that you have a lot on your plate, and we value that you've spent some time with us. We hope that you've got some new ideas on movies that might be right for your family. And we look forward to joining you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. Yeah.